Well, I want to welcome you here tonight also, um, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the first time. And if you're watching online or on our uh, Big Valley app, we're glad you're watching. We have lots of people that watch online, or maybe you're listening on the radio. Uh, however, as you're listening or whatever, we're, we're just glad you're, you're with us. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapters uh, 2. If you don't have a Bible, all the verses will come up on the jumbotrons or in your notes and all that. And I, too, uh, want to thank you for uh, your generosity. Obviously, tomorrow, hundreds of more backpacks will, will come in. But to however many we, we get, we're, we're, we're always, uh, there's always more need out there. And uh, Jesus didn't heal everybody. It's interesting that sometimes Jesus would almost you get this picture. He walked over certain people and he'd get to somebody and he'd heal them. But he didn't heal everybody. He didn't walk into a room and, you know, blow or wave his hand or do something crazy and heal everybody. Um, we, we're not going to be able to get every kid a backpack but we can do something. And uh, if you showed up here today and you went, oh man, I forgot all about this. If you uh, bring down to the church by tomorrow to the office area, your backpack, you can just go buy one and throw a bunch of stuff in it. You know, these, these are all filled up with stuff. I don't know if there's any more cards out there. You get them here and then uh, we'll get them all over to the gospel mission. And then the gospel mission has this huge party, and they invite all the children in the neighborhood there, and they, they actually have a big carnival, and there's food and face painting, and there's people talking about the Lord. Every one of these backpacks, we actually will put a gospel of John in them. And so for a lot of these uh, little kids, you know, or whatever age, they'll open that up, and they're going to see all the stuff. And for, for a lot of them, for the very first time, they're going to read the, the Word of God. And we have teachers that teach in some of the schools that these backpacks go to. And we hear some of the stories about kids that'll show up and go, man, I can't believe it. There's some people at a church and they, they bought me this backpack with all the stuff and, and I have a, uh, the, this Bible and I've been reading it. And so, folks, we, we want to love people and at the same time um, Tell them about the Lord. So if you forgot to bring it or whatever, if you're visiting with us and you want to help us, just be you know, a blessing to a whole bunch of kids. Bring down by Monday to our office uh, a backpack or two or six or whatever it is you, you, you want to do, uh, okay? Uh, in uh, Revelation chapters two and three, Jesus writes seven different personal letters to seven different churches. These were first century churches that were located throughout Asia Minor, which is basically where uh, modern day Turkey is today. And these letters were, were kind of like progress reports. Jesus commends these churches on things that they were doing that were good. And he also uh, shares with them things that they were doing that weren't so good, things that they needed to work on. Now, the, the, the first letter was written to a church at Ephesus, and I called it the, the busy church. And we spent a couple of weeks looking at this particular group of people, and they were uh, a church much like Big Valley Grace. I know a lot of you learned uh, from those two uh, messages that I preached because I got a lot of texts from you, emails from you. 
And the busy church was all about, the church at Ephesus, they were doing all kinds of good things and holy things and righteous things. They were involved in good things. But all of that activity, all that busyness had caused them to kind of get away from their first love from Jesus, for Jesus. And so Jesus says, listen, that, that's not good. The greatest thing you can do with your life is to love me, to worship me, not stay busy doing a lot of good things for me. Now, Jesus wants us to do good things. He wants us to be a blessing. He wants us to go out and, you know, live our lives in such a way that people see our good deeds, and those good deeds, you know, bring, you know, glory to, to the Father. Um, one of the, the, the coolest stories, I think, in the Bible is the story of the Good Samaritan. And in that story, I think you see what Jesus wants from his people, that we care about others. Uh, you, you can't miss that idea throughout the scriptures, but you don't want to get so busy that somehow you, you know, mess up your first love. Now, the second letter was written to the church at Smyrna, and th this was a, a group of people that were suffering. And uh, we spent a couple of weeks just looking at what Jesus might say to you in the midst of your pain, your suffering, your trials, and and if you weren't able to be here last week or the last couple of weeks, let me just encourage you to download the app. If you don't have it, go to the app and just block out some time or go to our website and watch the message or spend some money if, you, if it's burning a hole in your pocket uh, and buy the DVD or the CD or whatever and you know, put your cell phone off, get alone, sit down with your spouse or whatever and watch those messages if you've missed one. I guarantee you, you, it'll be a blessing to you. Today, we're gonna begin to look at the third letter that Jesus wrote, the, the letter to the church at, at Pergamum. And um, this was a church that had become confused, and I'm using that word. They had become confused as to what was um, truth. In the first letter to the church at, at Ephesus, Jesus uses the phrase, you have um, left your love for me, your first love for me. He doesn't use this phrase in this third letter, but the, the phrase could be, you've left your first love for the truth. They had lost their, their love for Jesus. This church was losing their love, if you will, for the, the word of God, and they were just confused as to what was, what was truth. And uh, Jesus is once again gonna give us uh, just like he did these people, some, some great wisdom as it relates to truth. So let's read this third letter together and see what Jesus has to say, okay? Revelation chapter two, look at verse 12. To the angel of the church at Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. This must be a, a real great town. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, 
Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Um, so here you got this, this group of uh, people that had somehow gotten confused. They, they were following the, 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 the teachings of the scriptures. Obviously, they didn't have the New Testament like we have, but they had the Old Testament. And that's a good thing. They were holding to those teachings. But somehow they began to follow the teachings or the philosophy of Balaam, which isn't good. And you can read about Balaam in Numbers chapters uh, 22 through 25. He was a, a horrible Old Testament prophet. And then they began to follow the teachings of the Nicolaitans, which isn't good. The, the Nicolaitans were, were following a guy named Nicholas, who everybody thought was a, a follower of Jesus. But he really wasn't. In fact, we want to uh, read something interesting. In Acts chapter 6, we read about these seven guys that are full of the Holy Spirit. One of them was uh, Stephen. One of them was a guy named Nicholas. And everybody thought that he was a true follower of the Lord, but he really wasn't. And he started coming up with this weird teaching, and people all of a sudden got sucked into his kind of, uh, you know, his philosophy of life or uh, whatever. And uh, anyway, so this church was confused as to what truth was. Somehow they had been deceived into believing in all kinds of truth. They were embracing all kinds of different uh, truths. They, they believed that everything was good. How many of you have ever seen this bumper sticker? Okay, it looks like, looks like this. You've probably seen it around? Okay. You know, you got your Muslim little sign there. You got your peace sign. You got whatever that thing is. You, you got your Jewish sign. You got your satanic, you know, pentagram thing up there, you get the, the yin and the yang thing, and, 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 and then the, the, the Christian thing. Well, this church, the, the church at Pergamum, that could have been their logo. <laughs> they, they just kind of were embracing all different kinds of teachings that were out there. They had really been deceived into believing this nonsense, that somehow all these different teachings or philosophies could somehow coexist. There's a church right around the, the, the corner from here that puts a, a sign out that says all religions or teachings or philosophies are welcome here, even yours. <laughs> it's just stupid. I mean, it's just unbelievably stupid. It sounds really good, but what it tells me is that the people there are just confused. They're confused about truth. Think about it. Obviously, what the Quran teaches is different than what the Satanic Bible teaches, which is different than what the yin and the yang teaches, which is different than what the Watchtower teaches, which is different than what the Pearl of Great Price teaches, which is different than what the Bible teaches, right? So it would be hard, if not impossible, to embrace all these different teachings, but this is exactly... Uh, what was happening in this first century church, the church at Pergamum. And by the way, it happens now. You, you, you know, that, that bumper sticker wasn't around. It's around now. That, that church around the corner over here, I, I, don't, I don't know who goes there, but that ought to be a fun meeting. Yeah, just all come. You know, we all have different truths, and you're all welcome here. Come on. You know, God, that just gives me a headache thinking about that church meeting. Um, <laughs> 
Beloved, one of, the, one of the big reasons Christians often struggle in their walk with the Lord is because they begin to embrace other teachings. I know for a fact that many of you in this room, you've embraced other teachings. You've embraced other truths. You, you believe in the Bible. I'm not saying that you don't. And partly it's because you're brand new in the faith. And so it may not be the teaching of Balaam, though, though the teaching of Balaam had a whole sexual component to it, which we see in our generation. It might not be the teachings of the Nicolaitans or whatever. But there are other truths out there that I know some of you have embraced. And um, anyway, it's, it's not good, okay? And, and Jesus says in verse 16 that you've got to repent of this type of thinking. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and other teachings have kind of seeped into your life, the life of your family or whatever, it's a serious thing. Jesus says you need to repent of it. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. Okay? They listen to my voice. And this is the primary way that Jesus is going to speak to you today. Okay? He says, I know them. And you know what they do? They follow me. This is one of those great passages that I think clearly defines what a follower of Jesus is all about. A follower of Jesus listens to this truth. He, he knows who those people are, and one of the great characteristics of a follower of Jesus is not only do they listen to this truth, but they actually do it. They follow Jesus. They follow his uh, teaching. So over the next two weeks, Lord willing, we're going to look at a, a few thoughts that, that I think will help you keep the, the word of God in its rightful place in your life or the rightful place in your family's life or whatever. So, so, so here we go. N number one, you, you clear up confusion when you respect and honor the authority of God's word, God's truth. You, you, you won't have any confusion in your life when you, when you respect and you honor the authority of God's truth, God's word. In verse 12, Jesus uses some very vivid language here. He says, these are the words of him who holds, who has a sharp, double-edged sword, Jesus is giving us a thought about his word. It's a sharp, double-edged sword. You better have a lot of honor and respect for a sharp, double-edged sword. In verse 16, he says, Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Beloved, Jesus refers to the word of God as a sharp double-edged sword or the sword of my mouth. In chapter one of Revelation, it says the same thing. He held seven stars in his right hand and had a sharp double-edged sword that came from his mouth. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 19. From his mouth, that's Jesus. 
From the mouth of Jesus came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. And when you read that, it's kind of grotesque. This idea that, man, the words of Jesus are like a a sword, a, a sharp sword. And in chapter 19, we see that this sharp sword is literally just wiping out the, the, the nations. Now, I'm often asked, you know, what does that mean? Well, I, I don't think it's literal. I, I don't think that a sword literally comes out of the mouth of Jesus, you know, during the Battle of Armageddon and, you know, wipes out everybody. Um, I think it's symbolic. It's symbolic of the power of God's word. All God has to do is speak and the nations of the world will fall down, will be slain. In John chapter 18, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. Judas has betrayed him and the Roman soldiers are there to arrest him. And it says this in verse four. Jesus, knowing all that was gonna happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Imagine all the Roman soldiers are there. They're there to arrest Jesus. Who do you want? Well, we want Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with him. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. There's a picture of just how powerful the words of God are. Here are the Roman soldiers They're there to arrest Jesus. Hey, we're looking for Jesus. Are you him? I'm him. And boom, they're all laying on the ground. When God speaks, there's power behind it. Unbelievable power behind it. The voice of God is a a powerful thing. The words of God are powerful. The teachings of the Bible are are to be respected and honored above all other teachings. And when you do this, when you truly honor and respect the authority of God's word in your life, I want you to know, it'll clear up all kinds of confusion in your life. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus actually does battle with Satan. We're we're talking about hand-to-hand combat. And it says this in verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And so the tempter came, the devil came to him and said, well, hey, you know, if you really are the Son of God, and he probably looked crummy, he had a beard, I'm sure he stunk, he'd been out in the desert fasting and, you know, just, you know, whew. Hey, if you really are, Son of God, why don't you tell these stones to become bread? What's the sin in Jesus turning stones into bread? Why would that be sinful? He turned water into wine. So Satan said, turn these stones into bread. I mean, he was hungry. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I mean, He can turn water into wine. Man, just, you know, he had manna come from heaven. Just turn the stones into bread and eat them. What was so crummy? What was the temptation in Jesus, who was God, turning rocks into bread? The sin is, is that 
Jesus only spoke what the Father wanted him to speak. He only did what the Father wanted him to do. And the Father didn't want him to turn those stones into bread. And so anything that was contrary to what the Father wanted was sin. And so what does Jesus say? It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took, uh, took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you really are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, well, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. All this, Satan said, I'll give you. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Now let me tell you why I'm very thankful that that was recorded in the Bible for us. Um, if when the devil came and tempted Jesus, if Jesus would have done one of those Iron Man things, you know, and like, you know, blew Satan's head off. Or, you know, if he'd have done a Spidey Man thing, and Satan now was stuck, and, and, and he couldn't move. If he'd have done something like that, I'm in trouble. Because I don't have lasers that shoot out my hands. I, if he were to have gone, all right, Satan, what the Look at that, lightning bolt just hit him right in the head. That passage there, it would be cool to read, but it would be no help to me. Because when I'm being tempted, I, I, I can't call down a lightning bolt. I can't do a Spidey Man thing. I can't do a, you know, Iron Man laser out of my hand. I can't do that. But guess what Jesus did? It is written, he said. It is written. It is written. I can do that. You see, I, I, can, I can actually go to war with the word of God. That's how powerful it is, you see. I can't compete with lightning bolts coming out of my hand. I can't compete with any of that. So if Jesus would have done something really, you know, wacky and crazy, we all would have gone, that's cool, but I guess I have no hope because how do I do that? And what Jesus was showing us was, look, you also have the same power to take on the demonic. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, and finally the enemy backed off. That's how powerful the, the word of God is. So the question you gotta ask yourself is, how well do you know the word? How well do you know what is written? I'm talking about what is written in here. There's a lot of things that you can know well. There's a lot of teachings out there, and I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. But how well do you know this? Do you know what the Bible says about stealing? Whether it be from work, you know, well, you know what, who cares? I work for a multi-gazillion dollar company. What's a few pencils? 
Do you know what the Bible says about stealing? Do you know what the Bible says about getting drunk? Do you know what the Bible says about having sex outside of marriage? Do you know what the Bible says about lying? Do you know what the Bible says about whatever? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be all kinds of temptations. There'll be all kinds of things that will be tossed at you. Just like, you know, Jesus was tempted. And if you don't know what's written, then it's hard to combat that temptation. That's why it's so critical, folks, that, man, you find yourself often in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, Enjoying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, getting involved in our men's Bible study. They're going through the book of James, I think, or they're just finishing it up, man, and learning that great book of the Bible. In September, our women's ministry is kicking off a brand new series, all written by our gals, on uh, uh, looking at all the first original 12 guys that were chosen by Jesus and what we can all learn from them. Do you do the daily meditation page? Do, do you know what's written? Beloved, you show me someone that doesn't know what is written, and I'll show you somebody that probably doesn't have a lot of respect or honor for the authority of God's word. How can you have a, a deep respect and a deep honor for the authority of this, and you're never in it, you're not reading it, you don't know what's written in it. Look, when you open yourself up to other teachings, I guarantee you, you're, you're going to get confused. Because there's all kinds of thoughts out there about all kinds of things. And so you, 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 you want to clear away the confusion, you, you just simply say, you know what, I'm going to honor this book. I'm going to respect this book, the authority of this book. Jesus is telling this confused church right out of the gate, hey, listen, I got a double-edged sword, man. He didn't say, hey, listen, why don't you listen to my word? He, he's giving them some imagery about how you ought to look at the word of God. You ought to have a respect for it. Let me tell you, somebody comes up on the stage right now with a big sword, double-edged sword, guess what? I'll have a lot of respect for him. They come up here with a squirt gun, I don't know. Thompson, you could take them out. You know, I mean, like, who cares? What's a squirt gun going to do? Somebody walks up here with a double-edged sword. Guess what? You honor that. You respect that. And that's, I think, what Jesus is trying to say right out of the gate to this, to this church. Hebrews chapter 4 says, For the word of God is alive, and it's It's powerful. Man, it's, it's sharper than, 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 than the, uh, the, the sharpest two-edged sword. In fact, it's so sharp it can cut between the soul and the spirit, between joint and mar marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Word of God is a powerful thing. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture, the double-edged sword, is inspired by God, which is why it's so powerful. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's this book, this one, 
Beloved, when you have a decision to make in your life or you have a decision to make about your family or whatever, let the word of God be your guide. Don't, don't be deceived into looking at other teachings or other philosophies. Respect and honor the authority of God's word, the, 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 the double-edged sword. And at the end of this message, I'm gonna give you a chance to do what Jesus said, and that is to repent. Some of you need to repent. You've allowed other teachings and philosophies to invade your life, your family, or whatever. N number two, you clear up confusion when you recognize the power and the danger of Satan's lies. So you want to you know, clear up any confusion, just honor and respect the authority of the truth, but realize the power and the danger of Satan's lies. In verse 14, he says, nonetheless, Jesus says, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Beloved, if you want to clear up confusion, it starts by recognizing the authority of the word of God. You honor and you respect God's word. But it's also important to recognize the power and the danger of the lies that come from the enemy. And as a reminder of just how powerful and dangerous Satan's lies are, all you have to do is go back to Genesis chapter three, to the very first moment when Satan lied to Adam and Eve. All of us in this room have been impacted by that lie. There, there, there was power in that lie. Don't ever think that, well, what's the big deal? It's only, you know, you know, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I believe the Bible, and I think it's a great book, but there's nothing wrong with this teaching, or, you know, I like this too, and I think this is a cool thing, and, you know, Tony Robbins is great. He lets, you know, people can walk across fire. I saw Oprah do it, you know. And, what? Really? Colossians chapter 2 says this, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You've got to continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down in, in, in him, his teachings, and let your lives be built on, on him. The teachings from God's word. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking, from the spiritual powers of this world, that's the demonic, rather than from Christ that is a passage that everybody in this church, especially those of you that are new in the faith, ought to really just hone in on. Obviously, when that was written, you know, it was after that, after, after Jesus writes to this church, they, they probably weren't looking at that. That, that. that letter probably hadn't arrived. The, the, this confused church had somehow bought into these empty philosophies 
It was high-sounding nonsense. It was, it was from human thinking. It was from, from demons, if, if, if you will. Beloved, the reason Paul is telling you this here in Colossians chapter 2 is because he understands how powerful and dangerous lies can be. And he doesn't want you to get sucked into believing things that sound good, but in reality are just dangerous. In fact, as I said earlier, it's one of the reasons some of you struggle in your walk with the Lord. You've allowed other teachings to invade your life. You haven't realized how dangerous and how powerful some of these other teachings are. And they may, they may sound good, but they're not the teachings of the Word of God. So, so I want to take a, a moment here and... and um, I want to share with you a few of the big lies in our world today. These, uh, I've shared them with you before over you know, the last years, but it's important to come back to them. Th th these are, are like worldviews. They're, they're, they're just sinful, they're evil, they're wicked, but they're pervasive in America today. Uh, worldview number one, lie number one is the materialism. Materialism is all about the acquisition of things. It's the lie that says if you buy enough things that you'll be happy. And how I know that's invaded some of your lives, this lie, and you're a follower of Jesus is, is that um, uh, you didn't have the money to buy stuff. So you whipped out the plastic card and put a bunch of stuff on credit because you really believe this. Now, you, you wouldn't stand up and say it now. But the, the lie, the, uh, of the philosophy of materialism impacted your life to the degree that you didn't have the money, man. You didn't have it in the bank. But if I can just get one more toy, if I can just buy one more thing, and you just kept buying stuff and buying stuff, and, and guess what? You found out the hard way that that lie uh, doesn't make you happy. If, you know, having all the toys made you happy, then people who were the wealthiest would be the happiest. And sometimes, most of the time, they're, they're just miserable people. One of the things that I love about Jesus is that he always challenged conventional wisdom. Always. He would say things like, well, you've heard it said People go, oh, yeah. Well, I say to you this. Oh, oh, that's weird. Hey, you've heard this said? People go, oh, yeah, I've heard that. Well, I say this. Jesus was the, the master at challenging conventional wisdom. And he challenged this particular wisdom. In Luke chapter 12, he said, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed, materialism. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And that is one of the, the lies, one of the philosophies that, that Satan has perpetrated on us here in America. And it has invaded the church. Some of you... You left here a couple of weeks ago and you thought to yourself, man, I want to do that. That's a great thing to do. And you sensed that the Holy Spirit was saying to you, you ought to do this. But you couldn't. Because you don't have any money. 
all going out to credit card debt and all this other stuff. And you've got four sham wows now, but you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't help here. But you bought the thing, that whatever the thing is, and it's always amazing. They always, 1995, right? 1995, 1995! And then right at the end they go, we'll give you two for 1995! Because one ain't enough. Oh, I didn't think I needed that, but now I'm going to get two of them. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Gordon, one I didn't need. I can get two for 1995? Unbelievable. Then you watch that shopping network stupid thing that just sucks people in. Hey, four easy payments. Has anybody here ever had an easy payment? Uh, uh, no, really. Has there ever been an easy payment? Oh, man, this is an easy check to write. This one's an easy, and then before you know it, you've, you've got 30 easy payments that you're now making. And the Holy Spirit's saying, you know what, this is the kind of thing I want you involved in, but you can't. Because you bought into a lie. You bought into a philosophy that wasn't a biblical philosophy. The Bible has a lot to say about going into debt. Let me give you another lie, uh, worldview number two maybe, if you will, uh, line number two, and that's individualism. Th this is the lie that says that life is all about you. It's the me first attitude, and we see this worldview everywhere. In fact, most TV commercials are, you know, cater to this world. Burger King, hey man, have it your way. Man, we're going to make it your way, just the way you want it. Ooh. Hey, we do it all for you. How about this one? Obey your thirst. Boy, yeah, man. I'm going to obey my thirst. For crying out loud, I'm thirsty. I'm going to obey it. What am I doing? What am I Forget God. I, you know, for, I'm going to obey my thirst. You deserve it. Man, don't you deserve it? I mean, you hear these kinds of phraseology in a lot of the commercials out there. The last 40 years have really been called the me generation or the culture of narcissism. Individualism believes things like this. I know that if I divorce my spouse and walk out on my marriage that my kids will suffer. But I have to do what's best for me. So who cares about my kids? I gotta do what's best for me, you know? I'm not gonna do what's best for my kids. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's a self-centered way of looking at life. You, you basically blow off the, the needs of everybody else. And I want you to know, some of you, you know what? Well, you struggled, didn't you? Dude, that's gonna cost me 30, 40 bucks, man. That's new. Gadget I wanted to buy. Oh man, do I spend it on me? I only got a few extra shekels left over after a pair. Whoa, and man, your flesh is screaming. No, no, don't help somebody else out. Give, put something in that little basket that goes by. Boy, I really need to buy that new CD. You know, I need this new whatever, whatever that new thing is. 
And what happens is this lie, this philosophy of individualism just grips you. And so the next thing you know, you don't help anybody. But you make sure that, you know, you're, you're taken care of. And once again, Jesus taught a totally different worldview. He said in Matthew chapter 16, to those who want to save their own lives, okay, that's a pretty self-centered, individualistic kind of thought, will give up true life. And those who give up their lives for me will have true life. Hey, that was written 2,000 years ago. And yet for some of you, it's like, whoa, huh, you know, I don't, this Jesus guy's a little wacky. I, I don't want to follow that. Anybody who tells you the Bible's whole book, it's irrelevant, just hasn't read it. Just hasn't read it. That's, that's as relevant today as it, it was, was 2,000 years ago. This idea that Jesus says, hey, listen, life isn't all about you. It isn't. Tonight, have some fun. Count off how many mirrors you have in your house. They're everywhere. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? You walk by any mirror. You're at the mall. You walk by a mirror. Isn't it? We're just so into us. It's unbelievable. Someone takes a group photo. You don't care about what anybody else looks. The first thing you do is look at you. <laughs> and if you look good, you don't have any pizza hanging out of your mouth. Eh, it's a great photo. It doesn't matter if everybody else is blinking or weird looking. As long as you look good, that's a good photo. With that, put that, post that one. Ah, that one's good. I like that one. Unbelievable. A worldview or lie number three is hedonism. The number one goal of the hedonists is just to feel good. They let their feelings become the judge of just about everything. They believe the lie that says if it feels good, then it's good. If it feels bad, then it's bad. They, they live for pleasure. They live to have fun or whatever. Now, God doesn't have any problem with you experiencing pleasure. He created it, but he doesn't want pleasure to become the goal or the focus of your life. Pleasure is one of the great benefits of living the kind of life God wants you to live. It's never to be the goal. It's the, the, the byproduct of just doing the right thing. Now, what might shock you is that a lot of people buy into that uh, lie hedonism today. And let me explain a little bit for you. If the goal of your life is to, uh, you know, I just, I'm just got to, I'm going to put in my 30 years, you know, my 40 years, and I just want to get my watch and retire. I just want to get, I just want to retire, kick back, and take it easy. I mean, that's what, that's all you focused in. You're a hedonist because you weren't created just to gut it out for 40 years so you could finally get to the point in your life where you do nothing. But see, a hedonist, that's their viewpoint. It's like just nothing wrong with retiring. But there's a guy who sits right back there at the uh, 9 o'clock hour, and a lot of guys in our church are like this. His name is Lynn, Lynn Barber. And I remember when Lynn was getting close to retirement, he came into my office when my office was over here, and he said, okay, pastor, I'm getting ready to retire, and I've got a whole lot more time than I'm going to be able to give to God's kingdom work. So let, 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 me help, let me help me figure out what I might do here at the church. I'm going to have more time. There, there's a guy who's not a hedonist. 
He got to retire. I mean, he put in the time. He got the gold watch. He got this thing, whatever. I don't know how it works. But that wasn't the goal of his life. It was a byproduct of just working hard, faithfully, whatever. But he knew that life was more than just about him, you see. Uh, Worldview number four, lie number four, whatever. And that's uh, pragmatism. This is, you know, whatever works for you kind of an attitude. In America, this is just huge. This is the lie that says whatever you're into may not be my thing, but I'm happy for you. And I'm okay with whatever your thing might be to each his own, you know, to, to each his own kind of an attitude. Doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. Doesn't matter whether it hurts anybody or not. If it works for you, I'm okay with it. I mean, who am I to tell you how you ought to live, you know, right? <laughs> it's just stupid. Now, here, here, here's the problem with this worldview, this lie, this philosophy. There are things that work that are evil. If you're bugging me, Okay, I don't know, I'm sitting at you know, Burger King having a hamburger, having it my way. <laughs> and you come up and start bugging me. Uh, I, I could poke your eye out. I could grab your tongue and rip it right out of your mouth. You're not bugging me anymore. Work for me. And by the way, who are you to tell me I can't do that, right? I mean, if it works for you, so be it. Who, who am I to judge? Right? <laughs> so stupid. I was dealing with a guy the other day. He's dating a girl, and the girl asked me to meet with the guy, and so I, I told him, I said, he's a loser. You need to dump him. <laughs> and and he's, he looked at me and said, well, who are you to judge? I said, what do you think? You think he's just dating, just do whatever you want to do, and you just marry, and you don't make judgments about the person? That's the problem. Too many people aren't, we're not judging enough. We're not making enough judgments. I'm helping her make a judgment about you. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. You never go to church. You're not active in a church. I asked you what John 3.16 was. Crap, you didn't even know what that was. You've lied to her and said you've been walking with the Lord for years. Man, you walked with the Lord for 10 minutes. You know what John 3.16 is. You don't even know what that is. So I'm making a judgment about your life, and I'm telling her to dump you. Oh, man, that ain't cool. But some of you have bought into that. By the way, um, it was pragmatism behind Hitler's decision to kill six million Jews. Who, who are you to make it? Who are you to judge him? That's what he wanted to do. problem is there wasn't anybody making that judgment. Saying, I'm making a judgment. That's wrong. That's evil. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it just leads to death. And that's going to be the theme verse of our next series that we're going to do. Man, it, it seemed like it was okay. I mean, it's your life, man. Who, who are you? Who am I to get into your life? No, no, no. That's just a, a lie. And it's really a philosophy of, of life. There's a lot of things that seem right that may work for you, but in the end, they're just crummy and hurtful. 
It may seem right to cheat on your spouse and have an affair. It may work for you, but in the end, it's just crummy and hurtful, isn't it? Man, I'm in a lot of pain, you know, and this girl really makes me feel good. Okay, it worked for you, but it was still wrong, it was evil, it was sinful, and it was hurtful. You shouldn't do it. <sighs> Worldview number five, line number five or whatever is naturalism. This is the, you know, God doesn't exist attitude. Or if he does exist, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Naturalism is also called atheism, if you want. Okay, good. But most atheists don't even want to admit that they're atheists. This lie basically says that everything in life is just kind of a, a result of random chance. You know, we're all accidents of nature. There's no grand creator. There's no grand design. There's no God. God doesn't exist. God doesn't matter. And when you have this attitude, let me let you in on a little secret. If God doesn't exist and God doesn't matter, then, then you don't matter. That's the logical, rational conclusion of this lie because if all you are is educated slime, you're just a, a freak of nature by sheer natural selection. You just happen to show up on planet Earth. So if you get you know, murdered, so what? If, if you know, there's no grand design, there's no grand purpose, there's no God, and just by natural selection, here you are. Okay, so you got mur murdered, so what? That's just natural selection just kind of playing itself out. If you happen to get run over by a car, so what? It's a freak accident, you're born. It's a freak accident, you die. Beloved, if there's no plan, no purpose, no design in your life, then your life really doesn't matter. It has no value. But the, the Bible has something different to say. The Bible says this in Romans chapter one, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without an excuse. In other words, you can look at nature and see a lot of things about God. You can look at the stars and go, man, our God is creative. You can look at a Gerber daisy and go, whoa, our God is just so creative. Look at this. You can, you can look at a volcano and go, whoa, God is powerful. You can, you can look at all of you, you know, we're all so different and say, man, our God is a, a God of diversity. There's lots of things we know about God just by looking at na nature without even reading the Bible. Uh, worldview number uh, six or lie number six, this is humanism. This is the, you know, you're your own God kind of an attitude. Human beings are, are made to worship God, and here's the deal. If they don't worship God, they'll end up worshiping something else. That's the bottom line. Listen to me. Human beings were made to worship God. And when someone says, I don't believe in God, then they'll worship something else, and it's typically themselves. They become the center of their universe. They become the God of their life. Nobody tells them what to do but them. Certainly not some God. Um, now the last worldview I'll, I'll share with you is this, and, and that's theism. Th th this is the Christian worldview. Okay, this is the biblical worldview. 
that God made me for his purpose attitude. Theism comes from the word theo, which is uh, the Greek word for God. Theology is the study of God. Judaism and Christianity are both theistic worldviews, that God made us for a purpose. That there's a God who, who designed us and made us and that we would have relationship with, with him. Colossians chapter one says, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible, like, I don't know, atoms and protons and all that kind of stuff, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And that includes all of you. That's the that's the truth that God made you, that God created you. And when he made you, the Bible says he made you in his image. You're, you're an image bearer for Jesus. You. And until you understand this, I want you to know life isn't going to make any sense. Until you embrace that truth, I want you to know something. There'll be a lot of confusion in your life. If you embrace materialism, pragmatism, hedonism, individualism, naturalism, humanism, you know, or whatever those lies are that are out there, I want you to know something. Your walk with the Lord will suffer. So you clear up confusion when you respect and honor the authority of God's truth, and you clear up confusion when you recognize the power and the danger in all of these satanic lies that, that have been perpetrated on us. And this is such an important issue to Jesus. He says in verse 16, repent. Repent. This church had bought into they were believers. They, they, they believed the Old Testament. They believed the scriptures. But somehow the, the, the teachings of Balaam and the teachings of, of Nicholas had just crept their way in. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Repent. Because if you don't repent, I'll come and, and take care of business. And maybe right now, just if you close your eyes, just for a moment, okay? I just want everybody to close their eyes. And I don't want you to pray or anything yet. I just want to get you alone. I don't want you worrying about your spouse or your kids or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I just want you alone. It's just you and God right now. Just you and God. And maybe you're here and you've never given your life over to Christ. You, you, there's never been a moment in your life when you've embraced the, the truth of the Scripture that you're a sinful person and you couldn't save yourself and Jesus came and died for you because he loved you and cared about you. That he's the only way to have your sins forgiven. He's the only way to have your, the relationship between the Father and you restored. You've never given your life to Christ. Maybe for you the decision is, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask Christ into my life. I'm going to believe for the very first time what the Bible has to say about life. But I know the majority of you are here and you're already followers of Jesus and maybe as I walk through six of those little lies, those worldviews or whatever, you went, whoa, I've bought into that. I've bought into that one. I've bought into two of them. I've bought into all six of them somehow. This is the moment for you to do what Jesus says. He wrote it 2,000 years ago and it still matters right now and that is you need to repent. Repent. 
and say, I've, I've got to make sure that I just respect and honor the authority of God's word. And I've got to remember just how dangerous and powerful the lies of Satan are. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for these beautiful letters that you wrote to these churches. You, you loved these people so much that you sent them letters and told them, hip, hip, hooray, you're doing this great. But, but also, here are some things you, you, you better get a handle on. And Lord, this church had become confused about truth. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would begin to do a work in our lives here. That we would be a group of people that would understand how important the, the double-edged sword is. That we ought to honor and respect its authority in our lives. And may we all be careful about the lies that are out there. That we wouldn't buy into them. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And Pastor Bobby, now would you close our time here?